0: Would you please turn with me to the book of Leviticus? We are in chapters 9 and 10. This morning I want to share with you the story of God and fire. Our God is a consuming fire, says the book of Hebrews. And fire represents God's holiness. It's a purifying agent. It burns away the things that are of sin and evil. It cleanses. And it also tempers and strengthens. God wants to bring his fire in us. There's going to be a day of judgment when all of our works will be tried by fire. Those of wood, hay, and stubble and those that will be gold, silver, and precious stones. The things that you and I do, they add up in our lifetimes. I thank God that His fire comes and cleanses and purifies. Fire refines gold and silver, but it burns up the wasteful things and consumes them. We have a story today about the fire of God, the holiness of God, and that fire in His people. And I want to share this story with you. And I reason I, we're in the book of Leviticus is basically because of this. According to 1 Corinthians 10, verse 11, it says, These things happened to them, Israel, as examples, and were written down as warnings for us, on whom the culmination of the ages has come. What is the culmination of the ages? That we are living in that predestined time of the church age, when God opened salvation and the gospel to all people, all nations, all tribes, and all tongues the culmination of that is the the burden for us to go into all lands teaching them to obey... All that Jesus taught his disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So the culmination of the ages has come. We are living in the last days, Peter said, since the day of Pentecost. These are the last days, the days of culmination. All the promises that God has ever made, they are, yes, in Christ Jesus. Everything point to Messiah. Messiah died, buried, rose from the dead, and now this is the church age. When the culmination of the ages is upon us, to teach the world to come to Jesus. And so the things of Israel were were done and written down to warn us so that we would not fall into the same traps. Romans 15.4 says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the Scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. We can do this. God has made provision for us to do us and he's commanded us to reach the lost and to reach the world. And so we go back to the story of Leviticus and we begin to hear and learn from the Lord about God and fire. So I'm asking you to turn to Leviticus chapter 9. If you will remember, last week we saw the consecration of the priests. And in the consecration of the priests, we saw Aaron and his sons and the Levites get cleansed. Remember the washing and the different sacrifices? And then after that first day of consecration, they were to stay in the holy place for seven days. And after that, they were going to start with the very first sacrifice for Israel. And that's where we start in Leviticus chapter 9. Let me take you there. Verse 1, On the eighth day, so this is after Moses, this is after Aaron and his sons come out of the tabernacle on the eighth day, Moses summoned Aaron and his sons and the elders of Israel, and he said to Aaron, Take a bull, calf for the sin offering, and a ram for your burnt offering, both without defect, and present them before the Lord. And so it begins. Now, the first sacrifice given for the nation of Israel. For the priesthood to start, they've been consecrated, and so it begins. And so they take the sin offering, they take the burnt offering, and they bring it and prepare it as God had commanded and Moses told them to do. Look at verses 5 and 6. They took the things Moses commanded to the front of the tent of meeting, and the entire assembly came near and stood before the Lord. Then Moses said, this is what the Lord has commanded you to do, so that the glory of the Lord may appear before you. And so here it is, the first sacrifice. After the priesthood is consecrated, now the nation is ready to be consecrated. They all come out of their tents. They all come around the tabernacle, and they're ready to prepare to do this great sacrifice. And as we read, it says this in verses 23 and 24. Moses and Aaron then went into the tent of meeting, And when they came out, they blessed the people, and the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. Fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat portions on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted for joy and fell face down. You see, over the tabernacle was the Shekinah presence of God. Do you remember that presence led them through the desert, through the wilderness? Remember at night it was a pillar of fire and during the day it was a cloud that would cover them? And so as the tabernacle was established, the presence of God is there and after the very first sacrifice is made, then what comes out of the Holy of Holies is a fire that goes forth to the burnt offering and it lights the burnt offering and that sacrifice from heaven with the very fire of God himself. Woo-wee. That's something to see. And all the people in the congregation went, Yeah, this is amazing. Our God is awesome. And they fell on their faces to worship God. God has a holy fire that he wants to put on you. He wants it to be in you. He wants it to burn in you. It's a fire that comes from God himself. And he wants it to burn. Now the important thing, according to our earlier studies in Leviticus 6 verse 13, the fire must be kept burning on the altar continuously. It must not go out. And so forever God had established his fire on that altar so that the priests, whenever they were to be ministering anywhere in the tabernacle or tent of meeting, that fire was always to be going because it was a continuing fire of God's fire never to cease. And so they were to take that fire. When they were to light the candles in the, in the holy place, they were to take the fire from the altar and light it. When they were to bring incense into the holy place, they were to take the fire off the altar that God started burning and use that. It was a holy fire. And so God said, use that fire and have it burn continuously. And the people rejoiced. This is awesome. And now they were ready to have God dwell in their midst and to begin approaching God in His holiness and in His presence through the sacrificial system that He had given. And so with this glorious beginning, we turn to chapter 10. And we read this. Aaron's son, Nadab and Abihu, took their censers, put fire in them and added incense, and they offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, contrary to his command. So fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. Moses then said to Aaron, This is what the Lord spoke of when he said, Among those who approach me, I will show myself holy, and in the sight of all the people, I will be honored. Aaron remained silent he just lost his two sons what's going on here come on God you seem to really know how to ruin a party things were good I mean we had eight days of consecration isn't that enough we, we had our priests in the holy place with you eating the bread of the showbread of the table. And they came out. We offered the right sacrifices. You came down. Your fire came out. It's on the altar. We're just trying to do our job and you rock it. My sons are dead. Imagine the people are stunned. What kind of God is this? What are we to do with him? You ever found yourself really not understanding God at all? The priests that He had prepared, the priests that had consecrated themselves, and they go to do what they're supposed to do, and they go before God, and He kills them. But of course, that's the question were they doing what they were supposed to be doing? And as we look at this, we come to find out that actually they were not doing what they were supposed to do. And so we need to get into this study a little further to figure out how involved all of the transgressions were. Let me take you back a little bit further in history to understand Aaron and his sons. I mean, think about it for a minute. Wasn't Aaron the guy that built a golden calf and had everybody worship that? And he got rebuked. Why, when his sons do something, do they get killed? Seems like God's inconsistent. Has anybody come to that conclusion? God is just really inconsistent. What he did for them, he didn't do for me. Or what he did to me, he doesn't do to them. Am I talking to anybody here this morning? How many of you have ever come to the conclusion that God is just too inconsistent to follow? Well, the problem is that Aaron did what he did before he had any knowledge of what was correct in the temple and proper in the way of worship to God. In fact, he hadn't even yet met God on Mount Sinai. He was down while Moses was there. The problem is that Nadab and Abihu, his two oldest sons, in fact, were instructed by God and knew what to do. In fact, let me show you something that's amazing. Earlier on in the book of Exodus, um, God had called Aaron and his sons, Nadab and Abihu. Throughout these previous scriptures, we find Aaron always being called with his two oldest sons, Nadab and Abihu. They were in line as successors to Aaron. And so God is training Aaron, who is training his sons as well. And so they're they're always in the show as well. They get to go along for the ride too, and, and everybody in Israel knows who they are. That's Nadab and Abihu, yeah, right? And so it says in Exodus 24, verses 9 through 11, that Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and the 70 elders of Israel went up "...and saw the God of Israel. Under his feet was something like a pavement made of sapphire, clear as the sky itself. But God did not raise his hand against these leaders of the Israelites. They saw God, and they ate and drank." That's Exodus 24, 9 through 11. Nadab and Abihu got invited into God's chamber. They had an opportunity to see God. Now that's interesting because Jesus has said, "...no man has seen God and lived." We know that Moses earlier wanted to see God, and God said, you can't handle this. He said, I'm putting my hand over you. You can see my back. That's the most you can handle. Most Bible scholars believe that here, when they say they saw God, they're seeing the figure of God, which is called a theophany, or the image of God, which would be a pre-incarnate Christ, the glory of God coming forth for them to have a visage of, a vision of. And so here it is, Nadab and Abihu are with Aaron and Moses. They see God. They know God. They have an experience that no one else in Israel has had. They've had an opportunity to have lunch with God. I mean, we're not talking about see and run. They fellowshiped in the presence of God. That is awesome. Then they were taught by Moses and their father Aaron regularly how to handle the sacrifices accurately, correctly. And these are not kids. The priesthood begins when you're 30 years old. And so they're well-trained, they're well-experienced to know what they're supposed to do. And The problem is that it may be that their experiences got the best of them. I know some folks that had some experiences with the Lord, some amazing experiences, And they use those experiences as their credentials. You may have had an experience with God, but that does not give you the right to move ahead of the Lord's will. And there are a lot of people that move in that direction. But let's look exactly as to what they did. It said in in Leviticus 10 that they put fire in their censers and added incense. They offered unauthorized incense fire before the Lord. The King James says, strange fire. Why does it say unauthorized or strange fire? Because they did not take the fire from the altar, but put their own fire in the censer. Let's remember one thing, that every vessel and article of the tabernacle is holy, And the censer that the fire was supposed to be in that would carry the fire from the altar that God started burning, that censer that would hold it is holy as well. And so you must respect it. And you put the fire from the altar on it and then take it into the holy place with the incense so that you could bring it into the altar of incense before the very presence of the Holy of Holies. And it's to be the fire from off the altar. But they brought their own fire. Hey, Abihu, you got a match? I got a lighter. Yeah, here, let me have it. Okay, let's go. Sprinkle a little on. They were not respecting what God had taught them to do. They were not moving in the same fire of God but they brought their own fire. It reminds me of Paul rebuking the Galatians when he said, Oh, you foolish Galatians! How is it that you could start salvation by the Holy Spirit and think you can complete it by your own works? And I know a lot of Christians like that. God moved on them. They had an experience in God. But they don't follow after the word of God, the fire of God, the spirit of God. They follow after themselves. And they bring a strange fire to God. Now here's the other thing. They were presumptuous to think that they could do it. That they could bring the incense into the holy place. I want you to know something. It was not their job to bring that fire into the holy place. It was Aaron's job, the high priest. Leviticus 16 says this, Aaron shall bring the bull for his own sin offering. And then it goes on and says, he is to take the censer full of burning coals from the altar before the Lord and take them behind the curtain. He is to put the incense on the fire before the Lord. Not his sons. He's the high priest. So, I mean, think about this for a minute. You have this priesthood just starting consecrating themselves for seven days on the eighth day they come out they're prepared now to bring the sacrifice before God for the whole nation they do it properly God brings his fire presence and consumes the sacrifice God begins the fire on the altar and now it's burning everybody rejoices falls on their face for the holy presence of God awestruck by this and then these two bozos stand up and say hey, you know what? Let's go take the fire in now and burn the incense. It wasn't their job. They just presumed, I'm going to take care of this thing for dad. Maybe they wanted the credit. Maybe they saw the light show and thought, we need to get in on this. I don't know what their motivation was, but I want to tell you, it was completely wrong. They didn't follow what God had instructed them. And so they go ahead and they begin to move and they start their own fire and bring the incense into the presence of God. It's completely out of order and completely wrong. And so it's a fire that is not of God. It's a fire that is made of man. And the church is filled with people who are lighting fires from men and are not from God. People who light their own incense, light their own activities when it's not God-breathed and God-ordained. There's an order in the church. There's a purpose in the kingdom of God. And there are people always trying to do their own thing and create their own activities. Well, here's the worst of it. If you'll look in Leviticus 10, verses 9 and 10, Moses is explaining to Aaron to complete the sacrifice now you must make a sin offering for what your sons have done. And you are to do this without speaking and without complaining. Can you imagine this? His sons just got killed. He asks for his two cousins. Aaron, uh, Moses tells his nephews, come take these, who are Nadab and Abihu's cousins, take these bodies out and bury them outside of the camp. So you're carrying charred dead bodies out of the presence of the Lord. Moses is telling Aaron, God will be presented as Holy. And those who approach him must understand and respect him as holy. Now finish this sacrifice without saying anything. And so Aaron has to go about doing this. And Moses says to Aaron, take your two other sons. Do not let your hair become unkempt. Do not tear your clothes or you'll die in the Lord's anger against the whole community. But your relatives, all the house of Israel may mourn for those the Lord has destroyed by fire. Don't leave the entrance of the tent of meeting or you'll die because the Lord's anointing oil is on you. So they did as Moses did. Understand that our God is a consuming fire. He's not someone to be played with. Now here's what's interesting. The next phrase in verse nine, verse eight, then the Lord said to Aaron, you and your sons are not to drink wine or other fermented drink. Whenever you, go out in, whenever you go into the tent of meeting or you will die, this is a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. You must distinguish between the holy and the common, between the unclean and the clean, and you must teach the Israelites all the decrees of the Lord that he has given through Moses. Why would he begin a discussion on drinking wine? Because as most Bible scholars believe, Nadab and Abihu were drunk. And he says, you as priests are never to be drinking on the job. You never come to the Lord drunk. You never present yourselves before God drinking wine. You're the teachers of Israel. And so now when you put this story together and you recognize that God's holy presence comes to Israel through the sin offering and the burnt offering, his fire of holiness lights that, that burnt offering, and then the people rejoice, fall on their face. And then Nadab and Abihu, <laughs> hey, let's, let's go do uh, Let's do something good here. They're drinking wine and celebrating over the good things, and they swear the priests, let's go. Foolishness. Drunk on wine, they go, light their own censers, and bring that before the presence of God. It's one thing to come to God as a sinner in ignorance and needing salvation. It's another thing knowing full well the holy God and basically slapping Him in the face. The foolishness of these two. They were immediately killed. If you'll remember after the day of Pentecost when the fire came down from heaven over the heads of the apostles in the upper room, the 120, and the fire of God came upon the new altar, the church. If you'll remember right after that offering, there were two who came into the presence of God lying about the money that they had spent, and they as well were killed, Ananias and Sapphira. Because our God is a holy God. Couldn't He have just corrected them? You don't understand. They've been trained. They've been taught. It was a heart issue. They knew exactly what to do and what not to do. It says in Leviticus 9 and 10 that they they did what they were not commanded to do. They were insubordinate, drunk, and brought strange fire into the presence of God. And the issue is that they were teachers of Israel. And as Tertullian one of the early church fathers said when the teacher sins he teaches sin for Moses said to Aaron among those who approach me I must show myself holy in the sight of all people I must be honored because if you can approach God drunken any way you want to approach him what does that teach all of Israel about their God? God said, I'll not have this. My people must know who I am and respect me. And I'll be honest with you, brothers and sisters, I think the church has lost a holy fear of God. I think we've become so commonplace with Him. He's our buddy, He's our pal. We get away with foolishness in the church. We do all sorts of things and and promotions and, and activities that have nothing to do with God. We sell Christian paraphernalia. We, we do these crazy things on TV and all sorts of activity, all in the name of God. And I wonder, really, is it the fire from the altar or the fire from someone's own ingenuity? It's a strange fire that's burning. And so they offered strange fire. And they recognized that there is a holy God they were presumptuous in thinking they could approach God any way they wanted. It's like the presumption of Joshua. Remember when he went to fight the battle of Jericho? When they came and they did exactly what God had instructed, once a day they were to walk around Jericho silent and then come back to the camp and on the seventh day they marched around seven times in silence and then they were to shout the shout of victory and the walls came down, didn't they? awesome. God brought fire from heaven and showed up. And so what'd they do for the next camp? AI, when they went there, did they pray? Did they seek God? No. It's presumption. We got this. How many of us operate like this? God moves and meets us in the fire from the altar. We've been saved. We've we've met with God and from here on out, listen, I'll take it from here. Presumption joshua goes and fights against ai and they get massacred and creamed and he comes back and he doesn't understand there was sin in the camp they didn't seek god there was sin in the camp after the very first sacrifice for israel and it was nadab and abihu it's interesting how quickly sin shows up when there's a move of god you ever noticed that huh noah makes it through the flood and everything else this is awesome He sacrifices to God, God makes covenant with him, and what's the next thing we read about? The sin of Ham and the nakedness of Noah. God moves and sin shows up. Isn't that interesting? That's the time to guard yourself most and to be humble. But typically we puff ourselves up. We made it. Now there's one thing about presumption and acting foolishly before God. I thank God for grace. I'll call myself the biggest fool here because I've done so many stupid things, but thank God for grace. He saved me. We can compare stories later. But I like what Paul said. Paul didn't get killed. Paul did some pretty terrible things. Paul says this, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, a murderer, I was shown mercy. Why? Because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. Paul murdered Christians. He blasphemed the name of Jesus. He couldn't stand to hear that name. Why didn't he get killed? Because he operated in ignorance and unbelief, which is very different from how Nadab and Abihu operated. They had full knowledge of how to approach God, yet they rejected that, and did what they wanted. They didn't have the fire from God. They brought their own. They didn't have a true conversion and faith in what God had done and what their position in the priesthood was. They had no faith for that. They had presumption and their own activity. It's interesting. The church is filled with people who are not born again who are not filled with the fire from the altar, but the religion of their own serving God. 80% of Americans say that they're born again. Please don't. If you're not born of the fire of God, don't say you're a believer. Because the testimony of the church has been so watered down The world doesn't know what the true fire of God is. They don't know. All they see is a strange fire in the church. Odd things going on. In the end of this, I consider Aaron's sorrow. Aaron followed through and did all that he was supposed to do, presenting the sacrifice for the sin of his own sons. And it says that when a sin offering, according to the law, when a sin offering was made, the front portion of the sacrifice was given to the priests to eat, and they were to eat it in the holy place. And so they make the sin offering, and Moses goes into the uh, uh, holy place to make sure that everything's going all right now. I mean, we just had to take a couple bodies out of here. And he comes, and he finds out that they did not bring the meat from the animal of the sin offering to eat but instead they burned the whole offering and now Moses is upset. What's going on? What are you doing to me? Aaron, why did you do this? And I think of Aaron with a broken heart. What he had hoped his sons to be, what he had experienced with his sons, probably how he disciplined them, how he taught them, how he had more expectations for their lives than what they had done. Maybe they were always rebellious, I don't know. Maybe they didn't always listen, but he was frustrated, he was upset. He just lost his two sons. And it says in Leviticus 10, verses 19 and 20, Aaron replied to Moses, Today, they sacrificed their sin offering and their burnt offering before the Lord. But such things as this have happened to me. Would the Lord have been pleased if I had eaten that sin offering today? When Moses heard this, he was satisfied. What the high priest was saying, I can't eat this sacrifice with joy. My heart's broken. I can't eat this in the presence of God. Would he have me rejoice when I am in mourning? And it is said in the law and in the Hebrews that when the high priest was mourning, he could not eat of the sin offering. Moses is broken hearted. Aaron is brokenhearted, but yet they must know God how many of you have ever had an experience when you can't figure God out when what you had hoped for didn't turn out the way you wanted it what you'd been praying for and what you'd been seeking God for just didn't turn out the way it should have you had better hopes for certain people and they disappointed you and let you down and you can't figure God out in all of this but one thing is for sure God is holy God is awesome. And he's bringing a recognition of holiness to his church once again. I don't think we fear God enough. We don't see him as holy in an all-consuming fire. And I believe God is calling his people back to recognizing this. But the reason we don't preach it is because we're all so self-condemning. I mean, if I were to press hard on the fact that God is so holy and pure and we're not we'd all feel really bad about that and we'd lose our joy shouldn't be greatest joy we have is to recognize that we are sinners saved by grace you and I deserve to be burned to a crisp to put it bluntly but for the grace of God, we've been spared. And I'll tell you why. Because there was a high priest that went into the very presence of God, carrying the perfect sacrifice and the fire of God from the altar. His name is Jesus He brought the fire and the sweet fragrance of his sacrifice into the holy place of God. He kept the fire of God pure, and when he, the high priest, brought it in, you and I could not approach God. You and I could not come near him, but our high priest interceded for us, and he went behind the curtain to bring the perfect fragrance of the fire of God unto his Father. God was pleased with the high priest and then he said, I've got censors that I'm going to put my fire in. And you and I are now the censors that hold the fire from the altar of the burnt and sin sacrifice offering. The fire of Jesus' sacrifice is now in us. We're not a strange fire. We're a holy fire from the very fire of Jesus' sacrifice. And now you're the censer that carries this fragrance to a dying world. It's a sweet fragrance of Christ's sacrifice because our high priest faithfully brought the right fire to the altar. You and I, can approach the throne of God with boldness, with confidence, because we don't carry a strange fire. We carry the fire of Christ's sacrifice. And I believe God is bringing that fire into a greater measure. And it is burning at a greater measure. And the false fires, the strange fires in the church are going to be exposed for what they are. They smell, they stink, they don't smell of the aroma of Christ. They smell like flesh, they smell like works righteousness, they smell like foolishness, they smell like religion and the schemes of men's plans. God is exposing that smell in the church. And he's exposing it. God has no problem taking an evangelist with a big name who's in the middle of sin, offering strange fire. He's got no problem to burn that career up. Because I will be shown holy, says the Lord God. But those things done in ignorance and foolishness, God has mercy to forgive. We can come to God with boldness And we may not always understand what God's doing or why He's doing it, but our God will always be a consuming fire and our God will always purify us. God is holy. This fire is not to be mingled. And He told the priest, do you remember what what He told Moses? Because you must teach between the clean and the unclean. You're the fire the censer from off the altar, the fire of the altar. Are you showing everybody what is clean and unclean? Are we burning a true fire that your neighbors know that you serve the fire of God? Or are you teaching something that is not off the fire of God's own altar? Everybody's watching you, Christian. Everybody's watching Let your fire be pure. And there's only one source for the fire of God, Jesus Christ our Lord, burning in our hearts with purity. God has ignited you by his fire. Let's bow our heads.